0: The no BS Spiritual Book Club's live video series. And joining me today to share the stories behind the 10 books that influenced him the most on his life path is Astrologer, Psychic, Multimedium, Tarot Scholar, Musician, Prolific Author, and Cat Butler. And we'll find out a bit more about that one later. Monty Farber, whose books and oracles, 3 million in print in 18 languages, I might add, have helped millions answer questions, find deeper meaning, and follow their spiritual path. And his best-selling books, well, we certainly couldn't list them all, but they include The Enchanted Tarot, the Karma Cards, The Creativity Oracle, The Enchanted Love Tarot, Quantum Affirmations, Chakra Meditation Kit, and the list goes on and on. And if you spend any time in crystal stores, or in the mind, body, spirit aisle of a good bookstore, you will see this name over and over again. Monty Farber, welcome, thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, well, Sandy. I tell you, this show is so important in the sense that I'm sure you've sent everyone like me down memory lane to, you know, I'm, I just turned 71 on the 22nd of January. and. and I was 14 again, just thinking about the first book on this list. So it's it, it, you're a time traveler.
0: Wow. I, you know, that's wonderful to hear. And I have people say, oh, I couldn't possibly do that. It'd take me too long. And afterwards, they always say, wow, that was a fantastic experience. So, yes, that you got to enjoy it.
1: It, it is an experience, I would have to say. It's not just, oh, I'm going to be interviewed. It, it's, it's literally an, exp- it's an experience akin to writing a book, actually.
0: Yeah. You know, I tell people of all the different shows I've hosted and all the interviews I've done, there's something about this one that is just so much more fun, so much more enjoyable, so intimate, so cozy, and, just, you know, <laughs> relaxed
1: well I don't know because it took me through the time that I was homeless so that yeah no so it's been a it's been a very emotional experience you know because the first book on my list is the bible and the reason it's on my list you know I I was raised in a Jewish family but it was the the bible was taught in my high school to the honor English classes and i got into honor english because for some reason i had a past life experience the the english uh, part of the exam you had to get in with a test to brooklyn technical high school was uh, you had to answer these questions based on a text that was legal english and i read it as if i was reading the newspaper and I, and i got into honor english so that was my first past lifetime experience first of all and I had other experiences in my high school that changed my life. And then we read the Bible as a secular book. And that really came into play when I, I got to be friends with Zechariah Sitchin, which is one of the other books further down the line. Because I reading the Bible is quite interesting. Reading it as a history book or as a secular book or, or as a psychology book. I don't think you could do that today, at least in America. Um, they pro- probably would throw my teacher out of the building.
0: So... But- Tell me why it had such an impact on you. What was it about the Bible?
1: Well, we were reading it as a, as a history book. We weren't, no one was pushing an agenda. And I found it fascinating. First of all, I, I like the way it was written. <laughs> you know, I'm a big fan of God as an author. And, and uh, I just- Best-selling one. <laughs> yeah, the best-selling book in all. In all. But I, I think having the distance on it You know, because most people are introduced to the Bible in a church or in synagogue or whatever you want to call it. Um, But to actually read it as a book was fascinating, you know, because there was a time when they thought a lot of the things in the Bible or in Greek mythology were mythology. But then they found that such places existed. So, you know, as as, um, archaeology progressed, they found that there was truth in it. And when I read Zechariah Sitchin's book, uh, Genesis Revisited, I happen to have all the books. I have. Thanks to my lovely wife, Amy Zerner, I have all the books here. Uh, I actually got to be friends with Zechariah Sitchin. And this book had a profound effect on me. And one of the reasons I got to be so close to him was I understood the Bible really well. Um, and, and, and he is a linguistic, was a linguistic scholar who could read the cuneiforms. Mm. and he had a, what I like to call the unified field theory of humanity's origins based on the Sumerian cuneiforms. And so he actually asked Amy, uh, who's the artist who did the piece behind me, she's a fabric collage artist who does all the illustrations for my work, she asked Amy and I, because he knew that Amy did work the way the Sumerians did. You know, there was wisdom in the art. That's where art comes from. It was a way to convey uh, information to people that couldn't read. There's a lot of theories about the tarot because of that, but and he asked us to do the children's book version of of, of his work, so. Um, and you did. Well, I I can do it. We've never came to an agreement with his publisher, ah. but but I could do it now that he's gone. Unfortunately, I mean I I could certainly do it and just attribute it to him because the ideas are his. But the Bible informed my understanding of his work because the Bible. Um, is actually derivative of the Sumerian, the Sumerian creation myth. So, so, you know, and it says in the Bible, I mean, one of the things it says is, um, Abraham's father was a priest of Ur. Ur was one of the main cities of Samaria. And so, um, and you know, the Jewish Hebrew calendar dates from when the first visitations from the planet, Nibir, I mean, I can, once you start talking about this, it spins off into the land yeah. of speculation, but but as somebody who, I, I, I know it really well, so I could talk about it like a, like a story, which is why he wanted us to do it. And I said to him, you know, if I was gonna do it, I would do it like Planet of the Apes. He said, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> so so
0: how, how did you meet him?
1: That's a really good question. I said, I think I, I'm not a joiner, but for some reason I went to his lectures. I actually traveled to the Yucatan with him when they had a um, something called the Prophets Conference. Yeah,
0: I remember and that. I don't
1: know if that. Yeah. Remember back then? And it was the yeah. first time that the Mayans, the Mexican government allowed the Mayans to do Mayan rituals at the Mayan shrines. And because my father was a police sergeant and I would, used to the smell of guns oil, you know, from the cleaning of the guns. I said to Mayan elder Hunbots men, I said, why are there so many police around here? He says, I don't see any police. I say, I smell them. <laughs> and and the, the Mexican police had sent the state police in plain clothes to watch him do rituals at Chichen Itza. I guess they're worried about uh, revolutions. Or, but they were so far from that, you couldn't be any further from it. They're peaceful, wonderful, the real deal in terms of magic um but uh that was the prophets conference it was him it was edgar mitchell it was drumulow melchizedek it it was quite an interesting group and um but for some because zechariah lived in new york and and i live in, in out on the long island on the end of long island which is sort of the the end 100 miles from new york city and we got to be friends it was it was a lot of fun wow
0: what was he like crusty. <laughs>
1: well, he was, people are always ripping off his work and, and, you know, they would equate it with like David Ickes and, you know, the lizard people. And that really pissed him off because he was a, a scholar. Um, and he, you know, he had fans of his work in the Vatican. He had scientists. He, in 1979, in um, the 12th planet, he predicted that Uranus and Neptune would look exactly very similar, and that wasn't confirmed until the flyby. I think in nineteen seventy-nine. He had, but he had. He was just quoted. And he said, "It's not. He never claimed to be original. He did do some noveling, but he he always said what he. It was like what they say in, in the the Sumerian text, everything I know, the gods told us.' You know, with a small g. Everybody don't want to get anybody uh, upset, but they considered these people from this planet that came. Um, whatever the year of the Jewish calendar is now that date according to him is the date that the leader of this planet made his earthly visit to try and put down the rebellion of the gold miners it's very interesting
0: (laughs) it's a lot of fun interesting it is very very interesting yeah and you know there was a time when people used to raise their eyebrows when you mentioned him
1: I was uh, one of of them I was yeah yeah
0: and what are they saying now just across the news today i saw something about some scholar who was saying well yeah you know i think it's pretty true that we came from mars
1: well yes and and uh, you know some other theories from zechariah sitchin's work were that the not from his from his translations was that the moon had been formed from earth and there's a lot of uh, people that say that the moon has been formed from earth as a terraformed and then um what is Bill Gates trying to do now that everybody's up in arms? He wants to suspend particles in the atmosphere to cool down the atmosphere or, or, or warm the atmosphere. I don't even know which one. But according to Zechariah, the Sumerians uh, said that on this planet that comes back every 3,600 years called Nibiru, they were going to suspend gold particles in the atmosphere. That's why they came to Earth to mine gold. They were going to suspend gold particles because when they went out and spun into space, Uh, they would lose their atmosphere and apparently Mars had an atmosphere enough to support life until one of the closest passes and it took the atmosphere there's it's totally fascinating whether it's true or not I can't prove it because I can't read the cuneiforms but um, to me it explained all the monumental buildings the stone buildings around the world because they had to build them out of stone because they'd come back every 3600 years and what would still be there except things that were made out of stone. And plus, it explains places like Baalbek in Lebanon, which has these blocks of stone that are 150,000 tons, which we could not do today if we wanted to. Yeah. Um, and it explains all these other places, like in South America, there are these walls that have survived earthquakes that are built like we couldn't build today. You can't even get a knife into the between the two, the two big stones that are on weird angles. Yeah, there, there's just a lot of crazy stuff. And gold is still our commodity. You know, it was like a spiritual space-oriented goldfinger. They loved only gold, you know, like the song.
0: <laughs> I <laughs> so, mean, it so, is fascinating. And we could do a whole show just about this.
1: Easily, easily, easily can. But uh, but I just wanted to show that when you read a book, it does. it's not just the book. The book sets, sends these webs out and, and these ripples into the future and you connect with them at later times of your day. I mean, if it, we're talking about the ones that really matter to us. Like, like um, I have Be Here Now, you know, Ram Dass just passed away. And and as you can see from this one, it looks like somebody carried it around with them and walked around when they were homeless. And I carried this around and walked around with it when I was homeless. And, and it really had a lot of uh, meaning to me. And that's another book that, uh, rippled into the into my future. I never thought I'd be an author, I never thought I'd be known for philosophy of any kind, you know, let alone philosophy of what I'm known for.
0: Well let's, I mean, I've got a list and it is in a particular order and we don't have to keep to that order. Let's talk about Ramdas. but before we do I want to know how did you, you know, walk onto this path?
1: Strangely enough, um, once again in Brooklyn Technical High School, when I thought I was going to be an, an engineer, because uh, I found out I was too tall to be a jet pilot, and and I didn't want to do um, medical stuff because I wouldn't experiment on animals. They said if you took the the, uh, I forget one of the courses, one of the science courses, you had to kill a frog, and I wasn't going to kill some frog just because some idiot, some fourteen-year-old idiot wants to to learn. So I so I did the college prep course. And I was in the gym class with a teacher who was really mean, but he was 67 years old. And they couldn't throw him out because he was healthier than anybody in the school, and he ate spr- uh, sprouts that he grew himself. But these were in the days before eating that way meant you were a spiritual nice person. I mean, he was nasty. And and you know, one day I was malingering about my back, and you know, and I went to a school with 6,000 boys. It was Brooklyn Technical High School had. Can you imagine? You know, 6,000 idiots in, in, in one school that the auditorium was 3,000 seats, second largest auditorium only to Radio City Music Hall in the city of New York. But it was, it was very interesting. And and he called me out in front of all the other malingerers and said, hey, Farber, I can fix your back, but it'll hurt. So I said, OK, you know, what am I supposed to say? It's, it's all boys, <laughs> all nasty boys just like me. And he takes his thumbs and jams them into my arches as hard as he can. And he, was, he could do more push-ups than any person in the school. And he says, touch your toes. I went right down and came right back up. And I was like, what is that? He says, that's reflexology. And I decided to find out about it. And that, that really started me on my journey that there's more to this world than you think. If someone can squeeze your arches and cure your back, that just showed me that there are connections that i had no idea about so that
0: sent you on a path of uh yeah exploration
1: it really did and i think it might have led me to that and and i guess the first um i was a musician and my friend and i used to play i was pretty good at one point this was after homelessness and i had a place and i was loading trucks or something but i played in a band at night we played Twelve-string uh, guitars at a place called Anand Brahma, which is a, a Indian food restaurant owned by Sri Chinmoy's di- 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 disciples in New York City and Queens. And all, John McLaughlin, the guitarist, would play there, and Carlos Santana would play there. And we played; we were we were good. Um, and I asked one of the the men there that that I respected, and they all wore white. They were just dis- dis- I'm not a joiner, like I said, so I was never a disciple. I said, what's a good book for me to read that'll help me understand? And he said, Autobiography of a Yogi. He says, it started a lot of us here on our path. So I read it and I I loved it. I actually loved it. I dedicated a closet of my house to doing Kriya Yoga. And um, once again, I think about some of the things Yogananda said almost every day, especially when you're an author, because he said the time of defeat is the best time to plant the seeds of success. And you get a lot of rejections when, you, when you're. Yeah. And as I tell budding authors, I say, listen, think about it. Think of the equation. You're going to be rejected until you're accepted. There's no, there's no other way around it. So, And this is the best time to plant the seeds. Yeah, and, and he said a lot of other things, too. He said the truth is not afraid of questions. That was his teacher, uh, Sri Yukteswar, told him that. And I think about that now during cancel culture, all these people who are afraid of questions. You can't say this, you can't say that. Yeah. And that really annoys me because the truth is not afraid of questions. If you know what you're talking about, you shouldn't care if somebody doesn't believe the same way you do. So, so what? That once again, it's these books send ripples into the future and every once in a while you catch up with them.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a book that appears again and again on- Pinterest. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And understandably. Um, you know, that's the thing I like about truth because, you know, it's irrefutable and everybody feels it.
1: Yes, especially that book because, you know, they called him an inter- in, uh, incarnation of love. And, and you can feel the love coming out of that book. And he was so powerful that actually the Three Stooges imitated him. I don't know if you've ever watched the Three Stooges, but there's a Three Stooges episode where they dress they dress curly up like this and they talk to him and they go "Maha" and he goes "Aha" and it's, it's all it's all take off because he was the first guru to come from the from India to try and sort of bring those and and you know Time Magazine said that when he when he died. He, his body did not decompose, and, and they that was proven. Um, at the time, you could trust Time Magazine, so so pe- people did, and and um, so but I sort of veered off that path when I read this one The Nature Steve. of Personal Reality by Jane Roberts. Because here's uh-huh. something that's that's written by a disembodied spirit, and it's a channeled book. And, and not being a joiner, I never went up to Elmira, which is a two hour bus ride from New York City or three hours. Uh, but I was fascinated by it. And shortly thereafter, reading that book, I met Amy. That changed my life more than all the books, but it, it all came together.
0: So what did you think of that book when you were introduced to the whole idea of, you know, uh, people being able to channel, you know, beings that had no bodies? Was that a big shock to you?
1: Well, I think as a musician and smoking marijuana, nothing was a big shock to, I was more of a shock to other people than, than, but I'll tell you one thing. I was on my way to a, a, (laughs) this is what you used to do back then. I was on my way to a Halloween party in Vermont where I knew no one. Um, I had been somehow invited and the bus ride was long. And I think I read the first page. I would read like one sentence of that book. And then, you know, it's like you you create your own reality that's all you need to understand this book or to write your own i think that's the first sentence i still remember it and i i have issues with you create your own reality cuz some people are born into bodies that are have problems so i i don't think they created that and i don't think people should feel guilty about it but it was it was enough to jar me out of my whatever um and i th- I I have been very lucky where I've been able to recognize the truth when I hear it. And I found a lot of truth in that book.
0: So when you met Amy, was it Amy who kind of prodded you further along this path?
1: Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think we prodded each other. Um, You know, we met in 1974, you know, as when dinosaurs rule the earth. And, and we've been to, we, we met at the filming of a porno movie, so that'll give you some idea of, of the varied nature of... Uh, I was playing music in a band that got hired to do a rooftop party scene. They, they were, they were, everyone had their clothes on, but everybody in my band was playing like this, you know, trying to see if there was anybody around that was doing anything. Um, I'm trying to think about... You know, because once we got into books, we got into writing them. and that's well, how a, did
0: that come about?
1: Well... Um, when I met Amy, she was studying astrology and I was studying Amy, so I learned astrology. And then we live out here, Amy uh, grew up in the Hamptons. She moved here when she was 16. And I used to do astrology at parties for people just you know, to keep from being bored. And they, w- they said one day, they said, well, it would be so great to, to be able to do this when you're not around. <laughs> okay, yeah, I guess I took it as a compliment, I guess, cause as an Aquarius, you, you don't realize they're saying we don't really want to need you. Um, so I invented something called karma cards. And in 1986, I was walking around the book fair in new Orleans and I sold it to a British company called Edison sod Editions, who had done the rune stones, you know, the book of runes with yeah. Ralph Blum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they did, uh, Liz green's, uh, tarot, the mythic tarot. And I said to them, I have, I had it on file cards and I said, I have this astrology card game, it tells the future. He said, let's play it. So we played it, we got a great answer. I said, what'd you ask? He said, I asked if we should publish it. And that was one of the few times when you actually did get it on the first shot. And at the same moment I, w- I was selling that, Amy was introducing her tapestry work to Stuart Kaplan, who unfortunately just passed away about a week ago, uh, the head of US Game Systems, who does all the tarot publishing. He, he's sort of like the godfather of tarot. And he he said this is great. You should do uh, like the tarot of uh, you know of the goddesses of of you know Saint Petersburg of Russia or so. And so that's what got Amy into eventually doing the enchanted tarot.
0: So did the astrology come first before
1: the tarot? Yeah. Well, we but we knew them both. Uh, the astrology came first. Amy had been taught astrology by her roommate in college, a man named Rupert Smith, who went on to print all of the posters for. Andy Warhol, he had a company called Rack and Roll, and uh, he was a wonderful guy. He unfortunately passed away from AIDS. Uh, I remember s- staying at his house, he had a whole building in tri- Tribeca in, in, in uh, New York City, and it was called Rack and Roll. And I slept next to the Marilyn when they were making the Marilyn, when they were, were doing the- wow. y- y- Yeah, the, the, the uh, silk screen pulls. It was, it was very exciting. It was an exciting That's time. It.
0: It sounds it. I mean, I said in the newsletter that I sent out that you've lived a life less ordinary. I mean, it's even <laughs> less ordinary now that I'm hearing all this.
1: Yes. Well, well we, Amy and I, we always joke around that we stand at the doorway of history. It sort of like goes by us. We're not necessarily in it. But, you know, I did get to meet Andy World a few times and, and uh, go to Studio 54 and things like that because of Rupert um so it's it,
0: a bit like um uh Forrest Gump then he's all he was very much all so. those moments in history
1: yeah I, I, we're like Forrest Gump and what was and Zeleg remember mm-hmm. um uh Woody Allen did Zeleg mm-hmm. where you, yeah. he matted himself into all these photographs that was that was uh no but we and now and now we're sort of creating our own stuff which is good you know our own ripples in time but but it's 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 nice to feel that you and, and the books definitely prepared me for all these things because they sort of chip away the, the parts of you that you're not so sure of. If, if, you, if you allow yourself to resonate with the work of great people and, and people who've thought about something, that's why books are so powerful. You know, I, I told you before, we're com- I'm coming to you behind this tapestry of Amy's um, is, is our library. We still love books, you know. We make books. We love books. We love the feel of books. I'm Kindle is fine. We sell a lot of money on Kindle, fine. All, but we like books. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, there's something about books. I, you know, there's so much more than they appear to be, and there's something about words too.
1: Yeah, and plus, there's something about the time involved to make one. Yeah. Like we have three books coming out this year. We've been working on it since before the pandemic, but it certainly enabled us. The pandemic certainly took away a lot of distractions yeah. and, and that's actually one of the weirdest things is that how not different our life has been in the sense of we're always working on stuff we don't like to really travel because when you as you know when you work on a book you know people say how do you do all those books i say remember that time you asked me to go someplace i said no that's how i do all those books because you, when when you're constantly concentrating on something you just can't be take at least me as an aquarius you know the our train of thought can easily jump the tracks so we need to be very focused how
0: many how many projects books decks whatever have you actually produced
1: over 50. wow yeah and and like i said we have three coming out including a book about amy's art we had a cover meeting about that today and as you well know I once had a friend who's no longer a friend who said to me, I'd love to be an author like you. You bang out some pages and they send you a check. And it, it ain't so simple. <laughs> Let's put it yeah. that way. It's not, you know, because, and we sell our own books. We, we you know, we started with Edison Saad. Uh, we did, uh, in 1988, Karma Cards came out the same year that uh, Nancy Reagan was found to use an astrologer. So the first printing on Penguin Books went from 15,000, which is tremendous compared to today anyway, to 45,000 as the first wow. printing because of that. And then uh, we did the Enchanted Tarot. And then after that, we, because we were able to meet the publishers because of Edison Saad, um, for the third one, we started packaging books ourselves. And, and we started with St. Martin's Press, who had done the Enchanted Tarot. And now it's with Quarto, which is a British company. Yeah. I think they're all British companies now because you guys just bought Barnes and Noble. Did we? Yes, you did. I think it's Waterstones.
0: Yes, Waterstones. I'm really pleased about that.
1: So am because I, because actually. want to I... take
0: away your bookstore. But it's nice to see, you know, a company yeah. actually doing well. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, oh, after limit. Amazon has ridden roughshod over everybody.
1: No, I, I'm telling you, well, we're very pleased about it and, and the people that work there because they were trying to sell Barnes & Noble for quite some time. And to, to, to have it go to an actual book company yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a joy, and especially a British one that's successful.
0: It's a beautiful book chain. It really is. It's a, a joy yeah. to go into those bookstores.
1: Well, yeah. and we have high hopes for them. And we wrote to them sending them an astrology proposal. And they said, "Well, we overpublished astrology, but your name came up with our new publisher because you were a successful backlist title. You know, Karma Cards have been in continuous print since 1988." And I, they said, and our sales department wants you to do something else. <laughs> so I was like, "Wow, they're calling me for a change. I love this new publisher. This publisher is like my best friend ever." So, so we're working on. We submitted the proposal. And for all you budding authors out there, that's what you do. Get your proposal together. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. and if you're not lucky enough to know the publishers like we do, get an agent. Because yeah. they, they don't want to deal with an author, usually. No,
0: no, normally they don't. But you do get the odd one that somehow oh, yeah. breaks through. Yeah?
1: yeah, I mean, Amy and I are living proof that, you know, sometimes the exception to the rule does happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So let's move on to um, Edgar Casey.
1: Oh my God, Edgar Casey! Well, now we move into my college days. I actually left college because of Edgar Casey because I thought the earth changes were coming. And I'm, I would imagine that if the uh, guidance counselor I talked to is still alive, he's still dining out on that story. Because I came to him, I said, well, you know, the earth changes, are, we're talking about the 60s, now uh, 70s, 70s, yeah. right? The early yeah. 70s. No, no, we're talking about the 60s. Yeah, because I was born in 1950 so maybe this is 67, 68. This particular
0: book was published in 71, Jess Stern's book, but of course uh, there was information around about Edgar Casey before that.
1: Uh, the Sleeping Prophet, you mean?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, well you're probably right, but I, I was in college, I must have read something else about it, uh, another book, because this does say the you know, first printing, well the second printing, no this is second printing 67.
0: Oh, wow. Then is wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, because that's about, I think I read it when it first came out and I was convinced that this guy was right. And it turns out that I have a very similar astrology chart to him and I do psychic work now after writing all these books has made me a bit psychic more than a bit. Um, and he's also a Leo rising. We have, we have some similarities in our charts and, um, he's figured prominently in my life. I mean, I, I don't hold it against them that the earth changes didn't happen, I'm kind of glad. But I'll tell you, if you ever see that Mount Pele in um, Martinique, and then Vesuvius goes, get out of California, because that's that's the sequence that he, he talked about, it hasn't happened yet. It might not happen. Because I think the spirituality of the 60s prevented a lot of things that could have happened. I, I,
0: well, this, this is, you know, something that I've heard before. I mean, there was a time when they were talking about California falling into the sea and you might as well go and buy some, you know, uh, oceanfront property in Arizona. Yeah, for sure. Happen. And no. I heard from a number of quarters that we had actually changed that. I,
1: I think it's totally possible. But I, I just wanted I wanted to give all your, your watchers the uh, you heard it first here. In case you see Mount Pele and, and Vesuvius, get out of Dodge. Mm. Or at least that's what Edgar Casey said.
0: So what did you um what was it particularly about that book that really grabbed your interest? Was it the, I fact the that whole... he could do what he does? Did
1: well I, I like to tell you the truth, I have my son on the sixth house, which for all your astrologer friends out there that, that I'm into health, service, use of the body. I, I have been eating naturally since I'm I'm sixteen. And so I'm, now I'm 71, I'm healthy, I don't take medicine. Um, and, and it's a blessing, of course, and I realize I'm lucky and I'm fortunate, but at the same time, um, I loved his health information. It, it was just very powerful. Mm. Uh, and of course, we're not presenting anything as fact or as health information here, in case any attorneys are watching.
0: I remember reading about almonds in that book.
1: Yes, uh, about and, cancer.
0: And, yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I started eating almonds every day. Uh, there's so many things that I think he he talked about that I adopted.
1: Well, it, it reinforced the somatic connection to the body uh, that Mr. Helfand, the nasty uh, vegetarian, had, had started with me in high school because he talked a lot about food and, and, as I'm always reminding my friends who are doctors, the first rule according to Hippocrates was thy food shall be thy remedy. Mm-hmm. And yet they only give doctors a week, if that, of, of yeah. nu- nutrition, nutrition. Yeah. which is insanity. And, and Hippocrates also said you couldn't diagnose anyone without knowing their astrology chart. But that's another thing for another day. Um, but, mm-hmm. but I think the thing that got me into Edgar Cayce, I love the Atlantis stuff, of course, because it's futuristic. Um, But I I love the health. And he did a lot of things about stretching. Uh, One thing that he has done that seems to have helped us, he said anyone over 30 years old should invert. And he said these things in trance. It's not that he said, when he was awake, he was a photographer who smoked a lot of cigarettes. But, But in trance, he said that anyone who's over 30 years old should invert once a day to back flush their lymph system. And I've met so many people who've had cancer and a lot of it comes into the lymphs. And he said the limps were like uh, like a V, and, and you needed to invert to make that whatever's sediment or whatever is blocking that V out of there. So we have this little arch table, which I think is now called a back bridge, mm-hmm. and we, we do we do it every day. And you know, it's it's like hard to know if it works. It's like we could have been doing an incantation every day; we wouldn't know if it worked. No. As long as as long as we're alive, it seems like it's working. Yeah. So it, yes. it, it's. A, it, it, the books are exciting and, and they get, and they books are time capsules, time machines. They're so powerful.
0: Well, talking about backs and inverting, uh, you've got a book, yes. Mind Over Back Pain by John Sarno, on your list. What I do.
1: I don't, happen? I don't. Well, I had tremendous back pain that prevented me from um, working without pain. I don't have it because I gave it away. I, gave, I also give away a lot of uh, Edgar, uh, the Zechariah Sitchin books. I just give, I buy a case of them and give them away. But I gave that book away because other people, I, I worked with the Teamsters in the movie business. You know, I, I was a location manager and I was working on the movie of A Chorus Line that was directed by Sir Richard Attenborough. Mm-hmm. And he used to come in every day and I've always worn hats sort of like this. And he would come in every day and give me a full British salute. That was pretty funny. <laughs> you know, and he would say, he would say he was very funny, but um, that, that for some reason sitting there or doing all this work gave me back pain and someone suggested mind over back pain by Dr. Sarno. And the night of the um, rap party, my back completely collapsed. I didn't think I could do the work. And then I remembered what he said, that it's, he, he called it the ulcer of the 80s. This was the 80s, it was 1985, that uh, the back is connected to support issues, metaphysical again, once again, the somatic connection that had started with, with reflexology. So I was more open to it. I said, this is obviously because I'm out of work and that's the way it is in the movie business. You work for five, we were the only ones working the winter of 85 in, in the Mark Callinger Theater in New York City, making a, a chorus line. And I had no job lined up. So I, I, you know, there you go. No support, no money, no nothing. And I said, this is ridiculous. And I just got up and I somehow, and all of a sudden I went away. And I realized that there was truth to that. So I started giving away um, the the book, which is why I don't have it. Yeah, it's a good book. And it turns out Howard Stern, who's not my favorite person in the whole world, he's a disc jockey that's sort of a shock jock.
0: Shock jock, yeah.
1: He has gone to, to Dr. Sarno to get rid of his compulsions, apparently, I've, someone told me that when I told him about the back book. So, so he has celebrity endorsements now.
0: Wow. So mind over matter?
1: 100%, 100%. I mean, I, I actually wrote a book uh, called, called Quantum Affirmations about, I looked around one day, I said, how did I go from being homeless to having this wonderful relationship you know, we've been together 46 years and, and we live in a nice place and our bills are paid and we're relatively healthy and we do work that we love. How did it happen? And I came up with this mind over quantum physics. You know, I started thinking of, of consciousness as the smallest particle because quantum physics is all about very small particles. And then I realized there was there was a logic to applying quantum physics work to uh, consciousness building and create the reality you want it to do. I think that's the one book I don't have here is my own. And, and uh, but but uh, Quantum Affirmations has helped a lot of people. We have a free Facebook group for people who don't feel like buying the book. And, mm-hmm. and I, but it's all the summation of everything I've read, what works, what doesn't work, because not everything works, of course. Mm, but
0: intention is a very powerful thing.
1: It is, it is. Well, in quantum physics, they postulate probable futures. And and they, they say that time is not linear, it doesn't necessarily flow only forward. And you know, all these amazing concepts. And as Niels Bohr, who was one of the originators of quantum physics with Einstein, he said, if you th- if you don't think quantum physics to paraphrase, if you don't think quantum physics is really weird, you don't understand it. <laughs> you know, and because cause there's something called quantum entanglement that, that yes. Einstein proved mathematically, and he said that he called it spooky action at a distance. And it got him out of quantum physics. He didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore because he said, God does not play dice with the universe. And then I think Niels Bohr said to him, who are you to say what God does <laughs> or words to that effect? You know? yeah. So once, right. again, once again, books, because you know, when we think about all the things we've read and it's like having a priv- being a fly on the wall to all these privileged conversations, it's mm-hmm. wonderful
0: well it just opens doorways
1: to so much doesn't it if those who have ears let them hear going back to the bible right mm. yeah. yeah none so blind as those who will not see Will
0: not see yeah for sure see
1: that the bible comes in there it gets in there you know there's
0: truth in there
1: yeah no 100 percent. If, if you're open you, you got to be open though yeah
0: so Next book is Alan Watts, The Wisdom of Insecurity, a message for an yeah, age yeah. of anxiety.
1: Oh my God, The Wisdom of Insecurity we is need such it an. Now. A, yeah, um, I need it now too, and I couldn't find it. I, I mean, we, we must have it someplace. A, we put things in special places, also known as the places you never see things again. But but that's a very important uh, book to us, the, the Wisdom of Insecurity, because in this day and age, with nothing being secure, and you can't trust the news because one day it's masks, and the next day it's don't wear masks, and the next day it's wear three masks. You know you have to listen to your intuition, the quiet voice inside us that's always talking. But you but you got to listen. And that's what Amy and, and I have devoted our lives to doing. I mean, she's an amazing artist. And one of the books that's coming out this, this year is Enchanted World, which is about her art. And she's been a fashion designer for Bergdorf Goodman in New York City for 20-something years, and her jewelry um but our books are all about getting in touch with the power that's within you it's the the magic's not in the cards or or whatever it's in you it's it's getting it out of you
0: yes for sure yeah yeah so uh, that particular book do you remember when you read it
1: uh i think it's shortly after we met you know you asked that question and i i think we discovered alan watts and we actually knew someone who knew him well um he was an artist and of course i can't remember his name right now but i can see his art he did negative space work he had a series of tapes that he made with alan watts and and he i remember him playing playing them for for us Ibr- uh, ibram lasso i think yeah amy just nodded yeah ibram lasso and he we went to his house and we told him how much we liked that book. For some reason, it just came up in conversation. He was in his 80s even at that time. And he said, You like Alan Watts? He was a good friend of mine. And he took a he had a whole stack of tapes. They were neatly arranged in a rack. And he says, You know, he, he took out him talking about the wisdom of insecurity. So that was that was a seminal moment right there as well to hear it in his own voice. I mean, it was a cassette um so that sort of dates when it was made yeah yeah yeah. once again we stand at the doorway of history (laughs)
0: yeah when god was a woman merlin stone
1: yes well yeah 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 i've always been a feminist always i had a sister and i had a mother my aunt was very lovely to me saved my life i'd like to think and ever since i was six years old when i stopped a man from beating his wife on the street Um, And my father, who was a policeman, stopped the man from beating me. (laughs) It's it's a long story. But, you know, he's like, you can't do stuff like, my father told me, you can't do stuff like this. But my father really straightened him out, because in those days, in 1956, the police in New York City, you didn't want to mess with them. But, um, But I've always realized that women were getting a bad deal, and it just made no sense, because I mean, if once again, for your astrologers, I have Mars and Libra, and Neptune and Libra is the hippie generation because the, the slow-moving planets, are in this, they stamp out generations. Libra is all about balance, harmony, and it just seems like, well, this is unfair. And then you'd also hear, as a boy, you'd hear boys talking about girls, and then you'd see the way they were were with the girls, the lying snakes that they were, and, and I, I just didn't like it at all. So I've always been a feminist, and when after we did the Enchanted uh, Tarot, uh, we did the Alchemist, which we had to change the name because uh, Co- Coelho did the Alchemist. But yes. and then we did something called Goddess Guide Me, because uh, Simon and Schuster wanted something from us. And as you know, if Simon and Schuster wants something from you, you do it. And we, um, I read that book for background, but it was just incredible. It, it was, it, it, you just kept reading and reading. We made something called Goddess Guide Me. And I'm very proud of it, and it's 12, Amy did 12 different goddess tapestries. It's like that game of exquisite cadavers where you everyone draws a head, and everyone draws a middle, and everyone draws a bottom, and then you put them all together. So she did tapestries that divided in three, and, and it's, a, it's a flip page book on a wire row bound, and you roll dice to find out which number of, which goddess you're gonna get the head, the heart, and the home. And it was pretty amazing, and, and uh, we wanted, and we talked about the goddess with a capital G, um, and, and we were very proud, proud to do it, and, and Dr. Gimbutas at the time had done her book, um, and Clara Picola Estes, I actually got yes. to yes. introduce her at, at a conference in, in Colorado. And, and so anything that I could do to and that Amy could do to advance the cause of women, we've, all, we've always been there. I, I've been writing S-apostrophe, no, S slash H-E since the 80s, because when I would, you know, I, in, in Goddess Guide Me in the introduction, I, I use uh, the feminine pronoun, you know, she instead of he, because it used to annoy me when, when they'd use he for humanity. Mm-hmm. Or a man this and a man that. So it's just, we're trying to rebalance that. And, and that's why that book was so important to me. Because sometimes people, you know, who, why are they going to listen to me? But they might listen to someone like the author of that book. And, 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 uh, and uh, you know, Clara Picola Estes. And mm-hmm. Dr. Doctor Gambutis Dr. was a respected archaeologist until she opened up her mouth about uh, Western Europe or, or Eastern Europe, uh, European cultures where God was a woman. then all of a sudden everybody had a problem with her before that she was completely you know a respected person Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and once again it's all done through books which is why your show is so powerful
0: Mm -hmm. so constructive living by david reynolds published in 1984 i don't know that one
1: it's worth reading uh you obviously don't need it but for people it's a great book to give someone who's complaining about something because it, it, it basically you know it's like the old Jackie um, Jackie Vernon oh, no there Henny Youngman it's Doc it hurts when I do this and the doctor says so don't do this it's it's basically stop complaining and do something and it it comes out of Japan the actual constructive living concept comes out of out of Japan but he did the translation and and some embellishment um, it it really is the way Amy and I live once again you know we we rather than complain about stuff we move on and and try and do stuff it 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 doesn't mention forgiveness because forgiveness is a really important part of it it's basically more industrial more industrious I should say not industrial more like if you do something you'll forget about all these things you're complaining about
0: Mm. yeah it reminds me of the book um why don't you yes but you know, people are always complaining about something, and you say, Well, yeah. why don't you do
1: this? You, well, yes, but yeah, yeah, well, that's the same. To it sounds... with the
0: complaining. Yeah,
1: and yeah. yeah, no, that's a great book. And there's one that's not even on my list called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. You can't get it for some reason, it's like $80. I have it, but um, by Thaddeus Golos, The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. It's a very thin book. Um, someone should republish it, or Amazon, or somebody. But that was another influential book, uh, Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Mm.
0: Well, let's go back to Ram Dass. That is the last book on the list that I've got. And, okay. You know, I've seen, you, you held up your copy, and I've seen so many copies of that book that look exactly like that. <laughs> you know, it's so well-thumbed.
1: Yes, it's falling apart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, because it, 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 It was the kind of thing where you can think about it for quite some time. You could look at one page. It just, it was the right book for the right time.
0: So when did you, when did you come across it?
1: Early on, shortly after its, shortly after its publication. You know, it's, it's, as I said, I was a musician for a while. um, And so that period, they say, if you don't, if you, if you can remember the 60s, you weren't there Well, I was there. And so I, I, I'm sure that shortly after its publication, uh, I, I got into it. Let's see if, let's see if it doesn't fall apart. What I'm looking for now, I'm looking, looking for the. Uh, oh my God! There's so many stains on this thing. Jesus. It says 1971. So, well, I would be 21 at that time. So I was homeless when I got it. Somehow, I must have somehow, uh, got co- connected to it at that point perhaps uh, when we were living in a cabin with no water and electricity and heat up in the Pennsylvania mountains.
0: So why were you homeless?
1: Uh, my father invited me to leave the house for very stupid. I think I was interfering with his sex life. And I, and I, it was just me and him. And I think he thought I was having too much fun. And when I left college because of Edgar Casey, it was like, well, I don't have to support you anymore. And uh, he, you get, but it wasn't so i ended up sleeping in the park for a little bit and then i moved in with <laughs> okay here we go i moved in with a friend who was a guitarist and was eating macrobiotically so when he shot heroin he would get higher it was that kind of time mm. and then his other roommate who was actually paying rent was a jamaican drug dealer and he was killed two weeks after i moved out of the house so it was uh that was my on the road period sandy it was uh I learned a lot then, but I think I learned more from the books.
0: Yeah, so there's a hell of a past here to dig into.
1: Yeah, but I don't think my life started until I met Amy. So that was
0: 1974.
1: Before you were just jamming jamming around. (laughs) Well, my father used to say, you're floating, you're a floater. And it turns out he was right. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time. We get along much better since he's gone to the other side, actually. I I realized what he did for me and some of the things he said had truth to them. He should have written it into a book, then I would have uh, had more respect. But one thing's for sure, I never ever thought of myself as a writer or that I would be a writer. I wrote songs, uh, but not, I never thought that, music to me was a pen with no handle. I just couldn't pick it up. It never really worked. But books open like a flower ever ever since they started. we've solved we've solved things with just like a little plastic hockey puck psychic circle i'll take it you know is that it's that kind of thing
0: you describe yourself when i asked you for keywords descriptors uh multi-medium yes that mean
1: well that was amy's idea because we do so many things and and you know just she is an artist she does art but she put her art onto the back of fashions one day one of one of Bergdorf's personal shoppers saw her work. Uh, she, she had, Amy had won the National Endowment for the Arts Award. It, it, it's a government award in, that they used to give to artists. And she won a big award and she was at a party. And she started putting her art on jackets because she never wanted anyone to sit on her work because people had asked her for clothing for the longest time. But she just got tired of saying I do fabric and it's collage and it's this and that. So she put it on a jacket like a, the ancient Tibetan go pattern which you actually can hang on your wall. Yeah. And, and she would go, I do this, and she would turn around. And someone walked up to her and she did that. And a woman said, I can sell this. And Amy walked into Bergdorf Goodman, which as anyone in fashion knows is the height of the fashion industry. And they took it on the first shot. Once again, we were very fortunate that way. And she's been there for 23 years. I mean, she didn't, the store was closed for a while during the pandemic, but it's open and she's selling again. So, um, so that, that's just one example. And she does jewelry as well. But she also does the illustrations for the books. Um, and, and I do the books. And I also do psychic work. And I do astrology. And then we write books around a whole lot of different things. Plus, I could do plumbing, carpentry, and electricity. So I, I guess that's where so multi- you've got
0: that to fall back on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if fa- nobody my, wants the books.
1: <laughs> my father would be so proud. That was his whole thing was, you know, you have to have something to fall back on. Proper job, proper job. Yeah 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 yeah
0: when, when I read multimedium, I thought now what does that mean next to psychic and next to astrologer and all of the other you know tarot scholar I thought I wonder whether he's a medium talking to dead people but he's doing it in multiple different ways
1: I have done it I can hear well you know I, I, I don't say I can talk to them because everybody can talk to them you know everyone should talk to the deceased but I've, I can hear them sometimes and I see pictures and, and uh, I've had enough proof where me, as my Brooklyn Technical High School scientific mind, um, will, will say, yeah, there's no other explanation for it. Uh, you know, I've heard things from deceased people. I had no way of knowing, and that got proved. So, so I can hear them. Um, and my experience is like I believe in UFOs, not just because of Zechariah. I actually saw one when I was 16, walking down the street in Brooklyn with my friend, Jay, who later became a pilot in the U.S. Navy, flying admirals around carriers. And we were in uniform. We were joined the Civil Air Patrol. So we were trained observers. uh, It's the civilian auxiliary of the U.S. Air Force. We were trained observers of the trails of airplanes. We knew what they meant. So we would walk down the street on our way to the meeting looking up at the sky oh that's a 707 because that's all that existed at the time probably or or that's a fighter or this we looked up and something made a right turn <laughs> which you, it doesn't happen it, it, there was a contrail and i went and, we're, and we both screamed in the middle of church avenue in, in uh, brooklyn new york in uniform and started running why we were running i have no idea because we we're i guess it scared us so when people say well do you believe in ufos I'm like, I think I pretty much saw one because, you know, nothing makes a right turn. So, so my experiences with all the different psychic and, and metaphysical experiences are personal. I don't expect anyone, they have to believe that I'm not lying. I, I understand that people don't, don't trust people and I, and I don't think they should. But if you open up to it and you read the right books, and watch your show, and, and get all the right book information and be open to it I think you'll come up with your own philosophy
0: yeah absolutely. Which of these books is, is the closest to your heart?
1: Oh that's a hard one <laughs> Well when you say it's it, it, you know I'm looking at Yogananda and be here now I mean I, I mean th- those are, those are like a friendship. The, the, the one I think about a lot is Zechariah's work, because here's somebody who, in my opinion, is like Einstein, and it's not as known as Einstein. Yeah. So that's a good reminder to me. Sometimes I wish my work, you know, it's like, we've sold a lot of books, but we haven't sold, yes, we've sold books that have sold hundreds of thousands of copies. But I, I would like, you know how it is, your reach should always exceed your grasp. So I would like one book to do a little bit better and get, especially quantum affirmations, because it teaches people how to have more in their life or, or our soulmate path. We wrote the soulmate path, which is about our relationship. Cause I want everybody to, I don't want to feel guilty about having a great relationship. I want everybody to have a great relationship. So I would like them to do better. And and it just reminds me, he did his best. He tried his hardest. He got it out there as best he could. It's in 40 languages or whatever, but he, you know, you say his name, they don't know the way they know Einstein. Yeah. So. And plus, because I knew him personally, I guess that's, that's why it has, you ask good questions. They make me think. (laughs)
0: That's good. That's good. So what are you reading now?
1: Wow. Um,
0: That's exciting you.
1: Well, I'm reading a lot about astrology because I'm teaching an astrology class. So I, I, am interested to what other people, everyone, to tell you the truth, I don't read as much as I should since I've been writing books. But I've been reading about this because I want to see what other people think, and and I I want to see if I because a lot of things that I was taught as an astrologer turned out not to be accurate, so I want to see if there's other people out there that are saying some interesting stuff that I uh, that can trigger stuff in me, and I'm also reading Ingo Swann's book.
0: Oh, right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, about remote viewing, because um, once again here we go in the doorway of history. we met him. We, we, our friend, Dr. Jerry Epstein, who wrote Healing Visualizations and was a genius, um, he was good friends with him. And we went over to his house and, and, and we got to talk with him. So I was, I pulled that out to read it.
0: So who do you admire in astrology? Which of the astrologers do you admire most?
1: Well, Robert Hand, if you're talking about the, the, the writers, uh, Pelletier, I don't know if Pelletier is yeah. still alive. Um, I have is some... Right? Yeah, definitely. An, a new look at an old devil is a very important book for people to read about Saturn. I mean, definitely Liz Green, and you know, we we, we ran our friend Sheila Height. We have a show on uh, Zoom every Monday called Ask the Oracles, and our friend Sheila Height uses Liz Green's tarot deck. It was really, you know, like old home week when we when we saw it, it was very unexpected. Um, um, yes, and. In terms of who the astrologers are that I think now are really interesting on on um, Facebook and, and those and like now it's not Facebook now it's Gab and you know they're moving off of it because they don't like the cancel culture but uh, a guy named William Stickover is really good he's very good um, about hoary astrology and and also a man named Theodore white, and both of them have impeccable credentials in terms of who they studied with mm. Because I, I, have not, I studied with some people that were really good, but they're not known. They study with, like, the brightest lights of, of, of horary astrology. So when they talk, I listen. And they've been very accurate with a lot of predictions, especially about cryptocurrency, which I've learned a lot about from them. And there's plenty of room to go on Bitcoin, according to those guys.
0: So when you look at your own chart, in retrospect, do you see the path
1: all laid out for you um in retrospect yes before no <laughs> i don't know if i well it's like i tell people all the time if you look at amy and my charts we shouldn't be married to anyone let alone each other if you if you go by traditional astrology and that's one of the reasons i was saying that i'm reading these books because a lot of the stuff that we were taught i think they were winging it when they said some of the stuff because and and also it's a new day it's a new uh, it's a new age I don't think things mean the same things that they no, used to. No, no.
0: I started studying astrology when I was 27 to disprove it. Wow. And I couldn't. I couldn't.
1: Yeah, you're like like the Gawkeleins, the, the Michelle and yeah, Francois. Yeah, Yeah, because yeah, they studied it and then they, 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 they were statisticians and they got into it to disprove it and then they found all the correlations. My favorite one of their predictions, uh, not predictions, was discoveries, was that in all the people they studied, Jupiter near the angles was in the charts of actors and politicians more than, than anyone else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Mars being there for sports champions and, and generals was not a surprise, yes. but Jupiter was a surprise to
0: me. Yeah, many people feel that we are at a, you know, well, we know we're at a turning point, but that this turning point is something that we actually can influence ourselves. Yes. You know, by our consciousness. And do you think that the collective consciousness is at a level where it can actually influence it for the better?
1: I do. And I think that all these patriarchal, you know, everything you need to know, I'll tell you or uh, I'll lock you all down. I think there's going to be a backlash to it. And I think right now everybody's been forced to be a monk in a cave in the Himalayas Mm -hmm. and uh, or the Himalayas, as you say and and we
0: don't say that we say
1: himalayas oh good well i i, I well it's, you say jaguar instead instead oh, we of do
0: you say jaguar
1: yeah I was, just, say I was just i was just yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want i just wanted to be okay uh, so i do think that everybody here is doing in our own juices and it is going to empower people they just haven't seen where the handle on the pan is yet to grab and how to do it i mean Right now in America, it's very odd because it's been suggested and to some people proved that the election system is rigged, but I think they'll make changes that will prevent that from happening. Um, Back in the 80s, I wrote a song that I recorded. That's when I was sleeping at Rupert's house, actually. Well, yeah. Um, One of the times called Saturn Transit, which is in astrology is about between 27 and 32 years when Saturn comes back to where it was when you're born. And it was about the three decades and in the I predicted that people were one day going to vote using the phone and the television i thought i i didn't there was no internet uh, and i think eventually they're going to get some kind of way you know with blockchain technology which they use for storing bitcoin in the cryptocurrencies there's going to be a way to vote without fraud using blockchain technology i hope um and i think that there will Go from being de- uh, representative democracies to more direct democracy, which I'm sure will ho- horrify the people at Davos and and you know the World Economic Summit and all, and, and which I think is going to be in Singapore, not at Davos. Yeah, um, but I think the people because this is the Aquarian Age. The Aquarian Age is humanity. It's like the old Snoopy Peanuts cartoon. It's like we love humanity as people we can't stand. You know, but I but we're in the Aquarius Leo polarity, Aquarius is humanity, Leo is the individual, the, the ego. So it's every person, a, a king or a queen, every, you know, it, it's, it's, everybody is a star should be the the theme song. And that's really, you know, like Andy Warhol said, in the future, everyone's going to be famous for 15 minutes. Here I am, I'm on your show, I'm famous for 15, a little longer, but, but you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: Okay, well, we're almost at the end now. I have to ask you about the cat butler.
1: Well, we have a 20-year-old cat named Zane. And uh, if everybody's, anybody's watching and, and has it in gallery view, Amy, is he by you? Can you hold him up? Because Amy's, what, no, he's over, he's over there sleeping on one of his many thrones. And so at 20 years, we, we've been very good to him, but we want him to stay as long as possible. He's born on Amy's birthday, March 23rd. So, so we're, uh, we're, and we cater to him like we should all live like this cat and his daily meal is basically another cat's last meal request on death row you know it's like you can have anything you want another cat would look at what he rejects and say you really are crazy and he is he's crazy And, and he goes out in the rain um that's his favorite thing is when it's raining to go out to get soaking wet like you dumped him in a bucket of water come in make everything wet you chase him with a towel and he goes right out again that's so we have this crazy cat. His name is Zane. And eventually I'm going to do a book about him, but I have a superstition about it. I, I, I've had the idea for the book for about 10 years, but I won't do it because I'm afraid he'll die if I do it. So that's, that's um, all my vaunted knowledge has not prevented me from being superstitious about my cat.
0: Well, you know, the thing about our pets is which one of us is the pet? I often this think, is, you know, we're opening the doors for the dogs. We're, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, they rule we're, the most. Yeah, I, I guess that's it. I'm more like a sled dog than, than like a, a pet owner. I'm yeah. more like haul, hauling his butt around all over the place. And they're in a very expensive habit, but worth every penny.
0: Yeah, yeah. Monty, it's been a delight. It's been a fun conversation. And thank you for joining us today. It has been a real treat to speak to you. I can't right. believe that... I've known of you, and we've communicated yes, yeah. over the past something like 20 years, and this is the yes. first time we've actually looked at one another.
1: Yes, I was like, oh, my God, there she is. This, this is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, now apparently I'm going to go read the chat because that sounds uh, that sounds like my kind of chat.
0: Um, and Joyce says, terrific interview. Monty, you sound better with a British interviewer.
1: <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not the one with the accent. You are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And I could have done it with my Brooklyn accent, you know, from when I grew up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that would yeah. have been very odd.
0: Okay. So tell everybody where they can find you.
1: Well, it's theenchantedworld.com. If you, you go there, you can find out about me, about Amy. Um, or if you want to go specifically to her it's Zerner, com. or if you want to go just to my thing at montyfarber.com we we keep it simple
0: monty thank you for being with us amy our
1: pleasure for
0: Joining us and keeping an eye on him
1: yeah i i, I wouldn't know what it would be like to not have her looking over my shoulder so yeah of
0: course okay well it was wonderful to have your company today and thank you to everybody at home for joining us as well if you okay. want to see more of these just go and sign up on the no uh, bs spiritual book club website and uh, we'll keep you informed of future guests
1: thank you anything i always want to be connected with anything called no bs
0: yeah me too thank <laughs> you thank you